Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We are glad you can join us today. Our guest this evening used to reconstruct auto accidents, and he will give us direction and advice as it pertains to car laws and accident claims. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation in car care. Locally owned, professionally operated, whatever you drive, we service. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, and diesel. Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics. With five convenient neighborhood locations, how may we be of service, Jason? Well, I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel, and today we welcome Keith Pointer, a former high school classmate who has uh, had some very interesting uh, things to share in regards to lemon law claims and what to do if you're ever involved in a car accident. Keith, thanks for joining us this evening. Let's first start with lemon law claims. We all hope never to have to exercise a lemon law. Where does one begin should they feel they have a candidate to exercise lemon law rights? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, first oh, of all. You bet, man. Um, <clears throat> the lemon law in Kentucky is very unique. I mean, every state has its own, per se, lemon law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Kentucky, the thing that I get phone calls regularly hey, I bought this car. It's got this issue. What's the deal? And the first question that you have to ask is, do you have a new car? Did you buy it brand new? Are you the first owner? And in Kentucky, if you were the first owner, then it could possibly apply to you. Okay. Kind of think of it like a flow chart. So if you have question number one, is this a brand new car never been titled before? If the answer is yes, go here. If the answer is no, you stop. We're done. Okay. Right? So it doesn't apply. Okay. Um, if, it, if, if it is a brand new car, how many times have you taken it back in for service? And is it the same service? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Typically what happens in these cases is there's a car that rolls off. Maybe it was built on a Friday. Maybe it was built on a Monday. I don't know. But you know, for some reason, it's rolled off, and, and, mm-hmm. and you have the same issue over and over and over again. And you take it in, and they, we're going to fix it, and they never get to fix it. I can't recall in Kentucky if it's four or six or eight visits, but if you have a number of visits... For the you, same problem. For the same problem. Okay. No, that sounds much better. Thank you. If you have a, a number of visits for the same problem, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, now now the limit law applies because you, you've taken it in over and over and over again. Okay. So d- does it have to go straight back to the issuing dealer for the service? It, this is only pertaining to new cars, correct? Right. Okay, gotcha. So so uh, if you buy it from dealer X, you have to take it to dealer X, and dealer X has to record that this thing has been in for the same problem a minimum six, seven, or eight times. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. okay. And, so, and it doesn't have to go to the same dealership, right? Like, so I bought a vehicle at a, at a dealership out in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. Got to be a little bit of a pain to go from, you know, Fern gotcha. Creek or downtown Louisville to Frankfurt all the time. And mm-hmm. I was making that trip. Right. And then I said, well, maybe I can stay somewhere here local. So I started taking it, and they all use the same software. And so gotcha. the the national dealer, you know, the the, the company knew that that, I, that they had the history of it all. Gotcha. So, okay. so how does that work? Is it between the purchaser and the dealership, or is it the purchaser and the manufacturer? So it's the purchaser and the manufacturer. The dealership's really out of it at that point. Um uh, and it was kind of interesting because I had firsthand experience with my own very my, my very own lemon, and, mm-hmm. and it's not an area of law that I practiced mm-hmm. ever before, and okay. I haven't practiced it since, gotcha. right? But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you you find yourself in this situation, and so I start I start researching it, and I'm, you know, it's governed by statute, so you just go through there and you start reading it, and you're like, well, this applies, this applies, this applies. Okay, now you start peeling back the book and, and, and trying to find who is it, you know, with your particular. Um, manufacturer, whether it's Toyota, Honda, whomever, mm-hmm. it, it, with respect to Honda, it's American Honda, American Honda Motors is, is the organization for mm-hmm. Hondas, mm-hmm. right? You reach out to them. Um, 
or Toyota or whomever, send them the letter. This is what's going on pursuant to such and such statute. I'd like to avail myself of the lemon law because it, you know, it, it meets all of these criteria. And then you can kind of go back and forth and you engage in a series of, of, of correspondence. Now, what you can do, I know there are attorneys in Kentucky that just do the lemon law. That's mm-hmm. like their big deal. Uh, I spoke to a couple of those guys, and they they kind of gave me a, a you know lay of the land, you know, just as a professional courtesy. This is what you can expect. Gotcha. Um, and they told me they said I've I've never had I've never had anybody purchase one back. Gotcha. I had one per, I had one case, and they purchased it back. So I think I'm one for one. I think I should retire from the lemon law <laughs> practice now. There you go. Success. So, yeah. Go ahead. So well, while Eric's trying to get his question together, um, so do yeah. these manufacturers have like high power. I mean, is it like health insurance? You got to submit that claim 30 times before they're eventually going to pay. I mean, are they understanding and willing to, you know, accept the fact that, you know, this car came off and it's was made on a Friday or Monday Yeah. and it's just, it's not their standard quality that they want to put out there, even though there's a, it's a loss for them, but they're a, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation. We're talking maybe a $40,000 vehicle, whatever it may be. Is there much of a pushback or once you go through the number of times return it back for, for service right. and that lemon law um, process is started, what's the timeline or what, how do they settle that? I mean, are we yeah. talking six months? Are we talking two years? So it's a really good question and it depends. And, and, and because I was the attorney and the, and the plaintiff, I can't give you a really right. good answer for that, right? <laughs> Like if you just send, if you sit down and type up an email and you send it off to them, I don't know how well that's going to be received. Very fortunate to have the, you know, the career that I have and, and, and the letterhead where I can just knock out a letter to the, to the, you know, the company and send it off certified mail return receipt request and all the things. So it looks like it's coming in from this law office and da, 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 da. And so my experience was like two and a half months. Okay. You know, and, and now, you know, and they came back initially with, you know, here's what I want. Because I, I told them, I said, I want you to purchase the vehicle back. And then they came back and said, well, we won't do that, but we'll, we're will we authorized to offer you like $3,000 and you keep the vehicle. Well, I'm not going to do that. I, so I sent him another letter. And I said, no, no. Pursuant to X, Y, and Z, my demand is, is re, you know, restated. Purchase the vehicle back. And the, the next correspondence I got was they said, okay, we're going to arrange for that to happen. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily the norm. Right. But, you know, it was pretty apparent to them they were going to be dealing with somebody. Who, I mean, I was going to make a hobby out of them. Right. You know, and so I didn't have to worry about paying somebody at, you know, an hourly rate, you know, to, to try and, and get this back. So so it's beneficial to uh, seek yeah. uh, a, an attorney to guide you through the process. For sure. For sure. And, and a lot of guys, I think, um, and I say guys generically, of course, it's just guys sitting here. But I think a lot of guys tend to do this on a contingent basis. So, you know, if they, if, if a dealer or not a dealership, but if a manufacturer decides they're going to pay you $20,000 and you keep the vehicle, then that, then that attorney is going to take a percentage. Of sure. That. Typically it's a third. And so you're going to take your net of the, of the settlement. And typically what people are doing is they're taking their net of their settlement and they're going and trading that vehicle in. They're taking whatever depreciation hit that they're going to get mm-hmm. and, and, and putting that with whatever money that they've, re- that they've recovered and going and buying the next thing. 
So is there a mileage cap? I mean, obviously, your standard car has a three-year, 36,000-mile limited powertrain warranty, let's call it. Yep. Um, obviously, you fell well within that. But let's say that the car that you had, that you were, you experienced, had 35,900 miles on it. It was still under the, the warranty. You, you had taken it back X amount of times. Is there an exhaustion period for a lemon law? Yeah, so it's the first 12 months of ownership. 12 months, okay. Yeah, so you get 12 months of ownership, and I want to say it's like 15,000 uh, miles, but you. don't but don't quote me uh, on that you. exactly. It okay. was it was enough that, you know, you want to make sure you're documenting, and, and, and we were documenting it right. feverishly. It's like, okay, when it had, but it, in, in my, the vehicle that I had, it, it had issues not quite on the ride home. <laughs> okay, gotcha. But I mean, it was right. it was yeah. pretty like within within three or four days, and it just got progressively worse. I gotcha. And so you know, it, it became real apparent real quick, and, mm-hmm. and so you, we just documented all of it. Right. So I said, so when I sent the letter, you know, on December first, we did this. On December eighth, we did this. On December eleventh, we did this again. Mm-hmm. I mean, so and 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 of course they have all of that, but right. if you send them. And they know that you've got everything pretty well documented. They know that, that it's... Gotcha. What about uh, instances of accelerated depreciation in situations like that? You bought the car new, you know, sometimes dependent upon the manufacturer that you buy from. Mm-hmm. You know, the cars will have a tendency to depreciate 20% as soon as you drive them off the lot. Some of them depreciate actually a little bit more. So right. so if there is a lemon law exercise, you, the consumer, don't necessarily want to take the hit. And I'm sure they're probably saying, okay, well, look, you did drive, you did drive a 10,000 mile. We are going to have to, uh, uh, you know, re- prorate, let's call it, mm-hmm. the amount of settlement. Did, did that happen in your case? No, or? it doesn't, okay. doesn't apply. What they do is they give you your purchase price back. Okay, well, there you go. To, to include taxes okay. and, and, and everything. And all that all of the, all of the gotcha. things. Yeah, so you've got all of that. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty much I gotcha. dollar. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a, there, I think, I, I want to, well. I can't exactly figure remember the exact numbers and there might have been like a three or four thousand dollar difference between soup to nuts what I was into okay. it for and uh, and what I wound up selling it out for. Gotcha. Okay. And so I figured I'd kind of I'd, I'd gotten my use on uh, the vehicle. For I got gotcha. And what about adjusters? I mean, of, oftentimes uh, you know you have to get adjusters. I'm talking mechanical mm-hmm. adjusters that hey, there's a there's a claim out here, not necessarily physical damage mm-hmm. but mechanical mm-hmm. uh you know i'm certain that they would have to send out multiple adjusters each time which actually delays you know um you know I kinda, i'm kind of doing this on the side for some companies and it might be a day or two before i can even get out there but i mean if, as a consumer you bought a car you trust that it's going to take you from point a to point b when you want it to if you're under this lemon law practice, uh, is there an obligation under the uh, selling dealer to provide you alternative transportation at no cost to you or, or no? So I don't know if it's an obligation, but it was definitely a benefit that I received from them. Gotcha. Um, and okay. I'd, I had well, traded. good business. Yeah. Right. And I, I had traded with this, not where I purchased it from, but where I ultimately wound up with servicing. I had traded with them a number of times in the past. Okay. And so, yeah. Right. yeah, I wound up driving, you know, going from car A, which was very nice, to car B, which was significantly less nice but it didn't cost me anything i got you so did, so did you stick with the same manufacturer or did you go with somebody else so ultimately i did um so uh, it's kind of funny we when we got when we sold it i've got a, a, a teenage driver so we had we were in three vehicles and then he was off to school so i that was down to two vehicles but i didn't need to buy so there was a time where i just didn't buy anything okay you know but then when when it was time to for him to take his car to college yeah. and everything it was like 
All right, <laughs> let's get back in. And and you know the thing that got me, mine was all technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like mine was mine was the infotainment system was cracking and popping, and it was shorting out the you know the the display. Right, right. So you'll be driving along at ten o'clock at night, and all of a sudden your dashboard goes black. Gotcha. You all know, right. and so I mean it was, and it was no real rhyme or reason for how how it was going to go. You just knew that it was mm-hmm. going to. So, but but yeah. Well, now, <clears throat> excuse me. Going into your crash reconstruction yep. uh, involvement, if for those that unfortunately are involved in an accident, and hopefully you're not, but the laws, laws of averages say you're going to be in a, at least a fender bender. At what point in the course of events would you want to make the call for an attorney? So you know, it's a couple, kind of marrying a couple of different things. My crash reconstruction. Um, experience or expert i won't even call it expertise i will just call it experience and training i had had a little bit of experience and training on the police department Mm -hmm. 20 plus years ago um so i I can speak to what so that that particular part talks about you know the physics and the mechanics of the crash and all the different things that we investigate what i do now as an attorney i work i do a lot of personal injury cases so and a lot of the personal injury cases are are the car wreck variety right so you know we're those guys that we only get paid if we win or settle your case you know i should say it a lot louder for the pod, you know you pay us nothing unless we win or settle your case you know <laughs> um but so that that's what we do now it's what mm-hmm. i do now and so when you should consult an attorney there are a couple of times and regardless of whether you're at fault or not you should probably talk to an attorney. If you're at fault, your insurance company is going to cover the attorney for you. If you're hit by Joe Schmo um, and it's totally not your fault and you're mm-hmm. injured, then you should contact an attorney. If you're not injured, you don't need my help, right? So that's that's kind of that's that's kind of the main thing. But typically, most of the attorneys who are dealing with car accidents are dealing almost exclusively with injury cases. Yeah, dealing with uh, just mechanical repairs or things like that for the most part typically not and the reason for that is because the ability to get paid is very challenging on on those i mean you've got a diminution in value claim or uh, maybe sometimes there's a coverage claim of you know hey you want your vehicle replaced with this and we're going to use these parts and if you're a, if you're a car guy uh then you're like no i don't want those parts i want the you know the genuine you know this this or this right. the original equipment parts yeah right. yeah so i mean uh, and, and there aren't a lot of attorneys who, when you start talking about breaking it down to an hourly rate, it becomes really not cost effective really quickly because you're going to spend 10, 15, 20 hours. If you're paying someone a cheap attorney, like really, really cheap is $150 an hour. Right. And so it's like you get into that fairly quickly right. and your number gets, I mean, it just gets prohibitive. So, so folks, what, what we're saying is if you are not injured, call your insurance company. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't need, you don't need counsel. Um, I get phone calls routinely there, you know, and the, you know, I've been involved in an accident. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Were you injured? If the answer is no, kind of like that diagram thing, right? If the answer is no, then we, then we step down and say, okay, well then we're not really able to help you with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to take a quick moment and ask our listeners to please check out our sponsor, GD Herring. GD Herring provides options on ensuring not only your classic car, but for all of your collectibles. Please check them out at gdherring.com. And we're speaking with Keith Pointer. And so, quick question here. Um, this is actually very intriguing. So, an, a reconstruct auto accident, uh, where where does one go to school and what does one uh, learn? Or what, 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 what do they teach you? 
at these things because that's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, and so I, I, I sort of fell into it. I was on the police department in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just northeast of Nashville. Yeah. And, um, you know, every police officer in, that's rank and file has to do in-service training. It's typically 40 hours of in-service credit and training that you do every year. Well, they were having an advanced investigation class, and, and that was a two-week, 40 hours each week, just school. You know, start at 8, go to 4.30, homework, test, the whole nine yards. And as a guy who didn't go to college right out of high school, I was it was total culture shock. So yeah. I did two weeks of advanced investigation training. It was all classroom, and then you go out and do some practical stuff. Once we finished that, then you had two more weeks, which was for, for crash reconstruction, and it was a basic crash reconstruction course. Now, if you stop there, which is where I exactly where I stopped, then you're not you're you're not super trained. I mean, you're you're not one of these guys who's going to go out and do you know a whole lot of a whole lot of speaking on the topic or anything like that. You're, mm-hmm. It's a very new uh, concept. It comes with experience, so you go through that basic class, and then you go out and you work a lot of wrecks, and then you, you're taking the measurements and you're testifying, and you're doing all of those things, and that, now they've computerized it all. I mean, this was right. twenty plus years ago. We're we're yeah. out there with right. you know drag sleds trying to figure out what the coefficient of friction is and <laughs> oh, yeah. different yeah. things like that. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, now there are just some givens that people know now. Mm-hmm. So there are cops that do it, and there are a lot of them that do that. State mm-hmm. police has a unit. A lot of troopers are trained in that. Mm-hmm. Um, then the insurance companies they'll hire engineers, you know. So the engineers will come out, and, and we all, as cops, we always made fun of those. Hey, I was egghead engineers, you know. They're gonna come out here and tell us everything, and then and they're really really smart. But when you start talking about the practical application and you know what what do you see, right. they're not necessarily, and they're really 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 crummy storytellers, right? right. Like like the cops <laughs> can get up there and explain it. And the engineers, they, they not so much. You gotcha. know? So uh, so you can either take it from the engineering perspective or mm-hmm. from a law enforcement perspective. And then mm-hmm. a lot of guys on the police department, once they've retired, especially if, say, you went with either the state police or you know, we're here in Louisville, Louisville Metro Police, and you did crash reconstruction, and you did it a lot to the point where you were on teams and you, you worked up all these accidents, when you retire – you turn it into a really good side hustle, right? Because guys like me on the on the attorney side now, we're working in a fatal crash, and you know it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars at play if, if the verdict comes in the way we you know the, for our client's sure. favor. Right. So we hire these guys and ladies, mm-hmm. and they command a really uh, a really good salary. So uh, in today's cars, and maybe from 1996 and up. Now I could be wrong with that, but that's when the OBD uh, started to be put in these vehicles i think correct me if i'm wrong you'll know is um a car now can detect how fast it was going Mm. and and that it came to a sudden stop at x time so i would assume that uh, they retrieve some of that data from the body control module of the car saying okay well this car was traveling at 70 miles an hour and at 8 54 p.m it went to zero right so you know, and then do they look at, do they look at, well, what were you doing at 854 to cause the wreck? And so then your cell well, phone could be timestamped saying, well, it looks like you were texting at 854 PM at the same exact time that you hit this. So you got, I mean, so, I mean, I would assume that the, the body control module will tell a lot of stuff too. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So they, they download, you know, they'll go out, you know, so the police department, whenever you're involved in a really bad accident, you know, they'll get a search warrant for your vehicle. And it's not necessarily just for the contents of your vehicle, although that's important too, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if there's an idea or a thought that it might be DUI related or, you know, right. 
but they also want that computerized information. So they'll mm-hmm. they'll get a search warrant for the vehicle. They'll go out. They'll download all of that, and it tells a story. I mean, it tells right. you know how fast are you going? You know, all of the different you know what was the engine? You know, all right. these all these yep. different metrics that it measures. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, cars. Today's cars, for sure. I mean, they tell they tell such a story that you know you right. you can say that I had my lights on or I didn't have my lights on or that guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, and right. it's like mm-hmm. you know, we can know we can tell right. exactly what. Well, I mean, yeah, because so, it'll 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 say okay, this car wasn't even applying its brakes, right? Because was it nineteen times per second is what the analog yeah. brake. ABS. Yep. Yep. So does the individual in that accident have any say over? them taking that data from the vehicle so if it's a search warrant no like if the police go out and, and get it as a search warrant then no and now typically if uh if the car has been towed you know if you've, if you've got an accident where maybe there aren't going to be any criminal charges or whatever but there's going to be civil litigation if you are the plaintiff in the case then you send you know when you when you notify the insurance company you say listen we want to hold on but we want to inspect that vehicle and, and specifically with commercial vehicles and things like that, whether you got tractor trailer, those things, you know, they've got, you know, they've got pretty significant, you know, mm-hmm. sophisticated and significant uh, measurements that, that, that they're keeping track of. Um, and, you know, we just say, you know, when we reach out to you, hold on to that and we're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to be looking for that. So, yeah, they, they, they can't really get rid of it. And so the owner doesn't really have much of a say about it. Okay. I didn't know if they could push back, like maybe they were texting or on the phone and, you know, Putting that with your phone data and the onboard computer data, you know, putting that together if they were not intoxicated or right. under suspicion of DUI, I didn't know how much fight they could say, no, I'm, I'm not okay with you taking my onboard data. Yep. Yeah. So when we, when we get in litigation, we just subpoena all of that information. And so, you know, we've notified the carriers and that's one thing about car wrecks. <clears throat> you know, if Eric and I run into each other as we leave here today you know, and, and I'm hurt and it's Eric's fault, clearly, right? Of um, course, it'd be Eric's not more than likely would be. But, yeah. <laughs> so, so traitors. <laughs> hey, three against one, man. Class ninety one, St. X here. We're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Tiger Tech is, uh, is going to represent. Go Chargers, uh, represent. But, um, but so you know, now I've lost my train of thought. So, so we, we hit have, each other. We hit each other, right? And um, we're pointing at each fingers at each other. Yes, I'm trying. I mean, I, I, it went all the way in and all the way out. I don't know exactly what what, what the thing was I was going with there, but. You run into me, I'm going to sue you, right? So that's that's pretty much how that's going to go. And, and oh, I know it came back to me. Thanks. Yeah. Um, if we go to court, it's going to be Keith Pointer versus Eric Benzel, mm-hmm. right? But it isn't Keith Pointer versus Eric Benzel. It's Keith Pointer versus Kentucky Farm Bureau or the Geico or Progressive. But in Kentucky, we can't say the word insurance in a personal injury car wreck case in court because if you say insurance in court, then it's a mis- then it's a mistrial. So. They'll always wheel in the defendant, and they'll have him. You know, he'll he'll you know he'll cover all of his tattoos. You know, and he'll 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 sit there. He'll look very super innocent, or whatever, regardless of what kind of lifestyle he has. And, and and the jury will identify with this young man or young woman and say, okay, well now it's this guy against this guy. And if you say insurance, even though it, this guy doesn't care if I get paid or not, you don't care. I mean, you're like, yeah, take you know, follow the claim, get get your money. But your insurance company is the one that writes the check, so you don't really get a say in it. Mm-hmm. So. Why is it I'm gonna need that, that you can brace. say insurance in court? I mean, it's a great question. And the reason that you can't. I'm is, surprised you said that. We're really kind of like, what? That's interesting. Really? Yeah. Now, well, because think about it, right? Like, ever since we turned 16, we started paying insurance premiums, whether we were, you know had an accident or not. You know, we, you know, it's just part of, mm-hmm. you know, 
paying your freight. Jason knows about insurance. No. Auto yeah. insurance. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the premium comes every year, right. trust me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so you pay it, and, and but then, yet when you get to court, no one ever says anything about insurance. So jurors are sitting there, and they're like, where's the insurance company? I mean, I, and we've had these cases come up where they're like, no one's talking about the insurance. And then we all know that there's insurance because everybody who drove to, to, to jury duty that day drove in with a policy of insurance. Mm-hmm. The reason you can't say insurance is because if you think that it's Progressive or Geico or Kentucky Farm Bureau and you're a juror, you're like, well, yeah, they can pay it. It's an insurance company. But they're thinking that already. I know I would. I would too. Because I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, they got State Farm. They've been paying for... 20 years and unfortunately that you know they had a bad accident they're getting sued you know 20 years of premiums and this that and the other state farm can afford to pay so you know just as a human it's hard to put that out of your mind and be really objective so mm-hmm. that's kind of when what you know doing. they're you trying got... to keep you from having some kind of a bias right or they dropped me right Oh, they're so, going to drop you. <laughs> so you drop, you know, big, if you're a juror, guy. they're like, hey, they uh, dropped yeah. me a while back. I got you now, buddy. Well, so, yeah. the, so yeah. the, the the cases that you see that are that are really big cases anymore, and first of all, I think jurors are getting a little bit, a little bit more sophisticated. Now, there are guys that advertise that say things like, you know, that say, you know, you're not going up against Eric. You're going up against Eric's insurance company. So, they're, mm-hmm. you know, the, the legal commercials that you see now are kind of pulling that curtain back a little bit. But the other thing that we're seeing is we're seeing uninsured motorist claims, underinsured motorist claims. So Eric hits me and he doesn't have any insurance. And let's just say that you don't have any assets, right? You know, and so there's nothing to get. I'm devastatingly injured. I can't work. I can't do anything. And there's nothing to get from Eric because he doesn't have anything. Right. So how does that work? I mean, you just so then SOL? You, well, no. If you have uninsured motorist coverage, and in Kentucky, to not have it, you have to specifically decline it. Okay. All right. So, you, you, so when you're when you're signing up for everything and you're getting your insurance, there's the box for uninsured motorists. You want to make sure you've got plenty of that. And then, when you get hit by the guy who doesn't have insurance, you go to your insurance company that you've paid for, and you say, "Listen, I'm injured. Here's my here's my claim." And, and so, however big the personal injury claim would have been against him is now going to be that big against your insurance company. Does that adversely affect your premiums going forward? Everything adversely affects your premiums well, going true. forward. But I would say yes. Yeah, but I mean, okay. th- yeah. arguably, they, arguably no, but they always say, well, we've, we've evaluated our claims exposure, okay. right? Yeah. And, and, and we've, we've had to make an adjustment. They never make an adjustment down. Right. The adjustments are always up. Um, but it won't affect your rate to the extent that, to, to be to equal out to how much you recover mm-hmm. right so when you so here's the thing about the insurance company so when you have that case you don't go in and say i was hit by eric you go in and say i was hit by you may name him but you go in and say and he didn't have insurance so i've paid insurance benefits or insurance premiums you know to erie insurance for the last 18 years and this is the first claim that i've ever had against them and they've told me no and they will tell you no or they'll oh, try sure. to lowball you right like yeah. mm-hmm. that's how insurance companies work you know take in premiums reduce payout and in the middle is the float and you make mm-hmm. big buildings and stuff so what we've seen is in here lately specifically you know you see all these insurance cases they're called first party claims because it's your insurance you're the first party and you've got the contract with the insurance company so you get to go in and you could say insurance over and over and over and over and over again gotcha. and juries can really resonate with that because everybody hates paying their premium mm-hmm. 
and they know that I've paid this and I've paid this and I've paid this, and now it's time to get re- to, to recover, and the insurance company is giving you the stiff arm. That's uninsured motors. Now, Eric has insurance, but he has the same level of insurance that they that they codified in 1975 when they came up with the Kentucky Motor Vehicle, Motor Vehicle Reparations Act, which says you have to have twenty five thousand dollars minimum limits for liability, fifty thousand personal personal. Yep. Yeah. So. He's got that amount of coverage. Well, he hits me, and I get a helicopter ride, right, because he hit me good. And, and I've had surgery, and, and I'm still not able to work. And so this case, he's got $25,000 in, in policy limits, and he doesn't have any assets. Well, I've got now a, an option, and this one you have to actually elect. It's underinsured motorist. Not uninsured, because he but, has insurance. But, under insurance. but yeah, but he doesn't have enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got underinsured motorist coverage, so I step in there and say, okay, He's given me the tw- his company's going to tender the twenty five thousand dollars pretty quickly because the helicopter came out. So like, here you go, here's twenty five grand. Leave us alone. And I go to my insurance company. And go, okay, I've gotten all the money I can out of this side. Now I've got a I've got a claim here for for my underinsured motors. And you mm-hmm. can do twenty five fifty, or you can do fifty one hundred. You can do one hundred three hundred. Talking about the, the the dollar value and benefits that you have, and depending on how badly you're injured depends on how much you get to recover i got you and uh, that's another thing too you get to walk into court and you get to talk about insurance 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 and they've been getting lit up so so, so walking to court with a cane and then when you yeah leave just or a sip and puff wheelchair yeah. or something or like that yeah. walk into court with a geico shirt on <laughs> <laughs> is that fair game can you walk into court with a geico shirt probably, on yeah, probably not <laughs> with, a, with a red circle yeah. across across <laughs> it I do not no admittance so, so going back to when you you were an officer what would you say was the most common cause for accidents was it speeding was it texting was it i mean you, you hear all sorts of different well you know the number one cause of accidents today is x what what is x so i'm going to show my age it wasn't texting was when i was when i was when i was policing we weren't right yeah um checking you know, your beeper yeah that's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> right 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 i got a one four three oh you know um yeah. <laughs> no so it wasn't that but it's speed right speed is the number yeah, one thing speed, that really okay. gotcha. and and especially yeah, especially when you've got young people in speed. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've got young people speed and distraction, right? right. So, yeah. Um, right. So, I mean, so those are kind of those are some of the some of the things that were that were big. And we we had a lot of sad, sadly um, impaired drivers. You know, mm-hmm. we get a lot of impaired drivers that, you know, that also speed, right. and and so they you know they go too fast and they don't have the ability to you know to compensate or to adjust yeah. as needed. So what? Uh, how would you uh, coach somebody if they are involved in a hit and run? Both cars are m- minorly damaged, and the other guy speeds off. As a as you know, it would boil my blood, and I'd want to go after him. Right. But if they have the audacity to speed off, then they probably have the audacity to pull a gun out on you too. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, is it just best? Okay, they just drove off. I mean, I would probably know the make and model of the car. Yeah. But some people don't know what a Honda Accord or Toyota Camry or whatever it is looks like from right. a distance, and and so you know what what I mean. What does how do, do how do insurance view the hit and run? Yeah, so I mean, I think with hit and run claims, <clears throat> you know, you've you've definitely got an uninsured motorist claim too. So let's say someone hits you and you're injured, right? If they make contact with you and they cause damage and they leave the scene, it's not a bad case from a personal injury perspective because now we're talking about uninsured motorists again. Mm-hmm. And if they don't pay you, then you get to go in there and talk about, you know, the fact that you paid insurance benefits or you paid for premiums and they're not and they're denying right. it. Um, how do they handle it or how do they what, how do they respond to it? Not well. I mean, insurance companies, and, and I'm jaded, so I'll, I'll I'll fully admit to that. 
my experience with insurance companies is if there's a way that they can deny your claim, they're going to. And they're absolutely going to minimize your claim, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to minimize it if they can't deny it. So I wouldn't chase after the person that hit me, even though it would boil my blood and I'd want to as well. You want to be a good witness. You want to look for where am I? Mm -hmm. What's the time? What damage do I have to my vehicle? What's Mm -hmm. a good description of the vehicle? If there's anything that you can make off of the license plate, that would be great. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And you want to write a lot of things down so Mm -hmm. your impressions are are fresh in your mind. Um, Out of curiosity, uh, as tech as we are, are there any phone apps (laughs) that say, okay, this is the app you use if you've been involved in a fender bender or something? I mean, name, address, phone number, uh, year, make, model, car, uh, time, uh, weather conditions, road conditions. Yeah. Is there such a thing? Or do we need to develop that and retire? I think there is an app. Yeah, is there? there okay. Is. I, I know a lot of the insurance companies have their own apps so that whenever, you, whenever you've been involved in accidents, you can exchange all that information. And here, with COVID being what it's been... Mm-hmm. The police haven't been right. coming out it's on true. non-injury accidents. So if it's if if you have an accident on private property, they're not coming out. So you're you know you're in the parking lot at church or whatever, and you run into each other. The cops aren't going to come. Um, you have an accident and no one's injured. The cops aren't going to come. Now, if someone's injured, how how injured? You know, or if someone if there's a thought that there might be an impairment, you know, if you call the cops and say, hey, I just got hit by a guy. I think he's drunk. They'll send someone out then typically. Mm-hmm. Um, but disabled vehicle where it's undrivable. If it's in the if it's That's in the middle of the control. yeah if it's in the middle of the roadway or something and it's impeding traffic, then they'll send somebody out to kind of a, a, you know assess that. But see, we were always taught, I thought that if you had a wreck, you stopped. Leave it. Leave yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Is that right or wrong? That, that was if you can move the cars, do you just pull over? But back back in our say, day, yeah, yeah, back in our day, that was what you did. But right. now now they've they've actually made it state law that if you've had an accident and, and it's a minor accident, you can move, move it, it, move them out of the way. Okay, but that yeah. won't deter from he said, she said. It'll probably it'll probably help. But here's what I would do. I mean, we've all got our telephones that have fantastic cameras before Mm -hmm. i moved it i'd take a couple pictures and and, you know the things that are going to be your your friends whether it's property damage personal injury what have you is any way to record real time what it was you know what was it like when this happened um you know how much damage was done to my vehicle how much damage was done to the other person's vehicle because someone hits you and then even if you exchange information and they're gone you'll never see you may never see that vehicle again Mm -hmm. you know um so if you've got an ac- you know an accurate representation of what the conditions were like on that day then that's good. I've got a case currently where this couple that I represent they were hit by a guy in the south end of Louisville go Taylor Boulevard and um you know and, and the guy's losing his mind you know and he's just screaming and cussing and carrying on and they and they're recording it you know on video mm-hmm. and so his case for him got a lot worse regardless because if we ever get to a point where we go to a trial in that and, and that comes in as evidence, this is what happened, this is how this guy was behaving, no jury's going to look at that guy and like that guy. Right. You know, I mean, A, liability's clear, B, the injuries are pretty significant, and C, he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. So all of those things kind of you know come yeah. together in order to, to, to be bad for him. Gotcha. So I know we're getting low on time. I have one more thing that yeah, just sure. popped in my head. Sure. Uh, uh, I read an article today uh, my buddy sent me. I used to live in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is, I have to say, I don't know what New York statistics are, but in Las Vegas, pedestrian strikes are high. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think t- today they had their 147th pedestrian strike. Yeah. Gosh. And so as, where's the liability on that as when you got insurance, when you hit a pedestrian, whether they're in a crosswalk or it's pitch dark and they're, you know, 
jaywalking, so to speak, where they're not crossing where they should be. Right. But you're still responsible to have full vision of where you're going on your car. Yeah. So you still bear responsibility whether that person was in a crosswalk or not. Right. Now, you're right. Abs- what you just said is exactly encapsulates mm-hmm. what we're talking about. I mean, that's that's the law. You have a, a duty to maintain control and a duty to maintain proper looking. Right. Now, you might say, there's no way in the world I could have seen this guy or this lady because they were outside the crosswalk. It was mm-hmm. dark. It was raining. All mm-hmm. of these things come into play, and it doesn't really matter that much. Now, in Kentucky, they've got comparative fault. So let's say that you hit someone who's in the middle of the street walking where they're not supposed to. They're outside the crosswalk. It's late at night. They're dressed in all black. You still maintain. You may have, let's say the jury says, okay, this, this case is worth $100,000. And then just use that because it's easy math, right? We think that you're 95, that, 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 that the guy that was in the intersection was 95% to blame, but we put 5% of the blame on you. Well, then they're going to get a verdict against you for $5,000 because, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes. So what happens is, as a plaintiff's attorney, if you have someone who gets blown up in the middle of the road, whether, it was, whether they were in the middle of the intersection or in the crosswalk or whatever, if, the, if you kill them or if you maim them significantly, the dollar value is going to be so high because their medical bills are going to be, you know, sometimes two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 or, you know, or, or, or just a fatality the damages are so high. So then it's like, okay, even if you put 50% or, and typically they won't put 95%, like a jury will put 50, 50. If they get much above 50, typically a jury will just make it all one way or all the other. Okay. Right. But if we, if we're talking 50, 50, no one can really tell it's going to exhaust the insurance company's policy anyway. So sometimes when you, when you, when you bring it to them like that, then they'll say, okay, well, to lose, lose. Here's, here's our, <laughs> here's our policy limits. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. All right, I got a couple rapid fires here, and then I'll have my question for Keith that I ask everybody, including Mario Andretti. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, following Keith here, I have a couple questions about uh, just real quick questions, and maybe yes, no, or other um, about uh, things I've seen on the road. Following Keith, can I sue somebody? Uh, Driving slow in the left lane. You can't sue him for that, no. But 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 it actually is against someone else on the police department. You could write a ticket for it. So we did that. Call the police. Yeah. Um, well, no, 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 no. Don't call the police. They won't come. But I mean, if I was, yeah, but but yeah. Okay. So <laughs> they see it, and they're like, "Come on, yeah, get out of my way." Okay. Uh, same question, but someone leaving their turn signal on well over several miles, but staying in the same lane. Yeah, I mean that's annoying, and then but but no, it's not going to be. A, it's not a huge issue that anybody's going to be able to do anything about. Rolling coal, is that an annoyance, or are there laws against the practice? Rolling coal. Rolling coal. It's where you have uh, some diesel trucks, pickup oh, trucks, yeah, and they yeah. take the uh, diff fluid off and they just <laughs> blow out. Just oh, black, black smoke. smoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. call it rolling coal. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm learning tonight. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're responsible for uh, for your emissions and things like that. But I've ne- I've never you know I never clearly by my answer I didn't know anything about it. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm not certain if that could be a. And here's one that I've seen, and I've had somebody say, oh, no, that, that they can absolutely do that. But I'm like, really? Can motorcycles legally drive between cars and traffic, like right on the painted line? Yeah. Right between them. So out in California, that's a big thing, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're ever traveling on the five out there, everybody's just, I mean. It's and, big in Vegas as well. Yeah, I mean, and it scares the absolute hell out of you, too. You're sitting there, you're minding your own business, and zzz, you know, yeah. somebody goes up and right past you. I 
I don't know what the okay. law is there. I never saw. I, 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 it may go state to state, but yeah. I know it, it is legal in Las Vegas. Yeah. It is legal. It I, is legal in Las dangerous, Vegas. Dangerous, but legal. I would, think dangerous. I, I would think I would probably, in Kentucky, if I were still policing, I would probably try to go with like either a reckless driving or an improper passing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, a, that's an issue that's going to take care of itself over the course of time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because there's just no real easy way about that. You're either going to hurt yourself or become a donor. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> or rip somebody's side mirror off. Yeah. yeah. Right. In which case, then you're going to be followed, and then that's going to be. You can't follow them because you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're long gone. Yeah, oh, yeah, unless yeah. you got a dash cam, yeah, they're long true. gone. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, when you did your driver's test. Mm. What car did you drive for your driver's test? Which time? <laughs> there, and so that first, our first B follow-up question. There you go. I love it. Goes with Keith. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So yeah. from the initial driver's driver's yeah, test. When, when we were back in high school, what would that yeah. have been? I guess. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my first driver's test, and I say first because there were two, was um, take a right, take a right, take a right, and pull into lane three. And be, because when I – Got to the first stop sign there to turn to make my first right turn. I didn't come to a complete stop, and I probably didn't come to a complete stop at the second stop sign either. <laughs> um, but you know, it was right, 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 and I was like, "Well, this is the quickest test I've ever seen." And then he was like, "Yep, you're done. You didn't stop." And I was, so uh, I was out. Um, and I think I was in my my grandfather's Oldsmobile like Cutlass Sierra. Okay, okay. Um, but it was so it was so disheartening because, like I assume with most of you guys. I couldn't wait to drive. Like, so like I went to take the test and I, b- before I took the test, I like went to my car at home and like loaded up with the clothes I was going to wear for after school. And I had the whole car ready to go. So I was going to go take the test, come back to my house, get in the car that was going to be mine, which was a 78 Oldsmobile Cutlass. And then I was going to head on in. Um, but I didn't have to worry about that. So since I, <laughs> since I didn't, um, so round two, mm. Um, same thing, Grandpa's same car? car again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Grandpa's car again. The next but, day, right? No, I think it was like a week. Oh, was it? I think a week? I, think oh, I had to wait man. a week. Retest, yeah, you had to wait a week. Yeah. yeah. Was this at Bowman Field? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was at Bowman so, Field. So I'm sure. Did you take yours oh, yeah. at Bowman Field? Area? That was it. Yeah. So all of the four of us took our right. uh, driver's test at Bowman Field. That first stop sign. We know exactly where you're talking yeah. about. That first, because <laughs> yeah. then you take that right, and then you got the parallel parking. Uh, Horses there to the right. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's funny. So you just roll through the first I stop. I rolled right through it. California yeah. stop. Well, yeah. All right. I mean, stop stands for slightly tap on pedal. There right? you go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's no traffic there. I mean, why you got to stop for? Yeah, that's right. Well, and the funny thing about it was I started my driving career at like 15 in my mom's car in the middle of the night, right? Like we snuck, we would sneak out and take my mom's car and go out. I mean, I think everybody did that. Absolutely. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and my mom actually was awakened by my sister who said, they're stealing your car. And, and, and they, they thought that it was some... Ne'er do well stealing the car. In fact, it was just me the ne'er do well they lived with, um, <laughs> and so I, I had a lot of hours of road time in before it was ever time to I go try to take the test. Now, real quick, I, I, for Jason has teenage uh, driving sons, and you have a teenage uh, son. We talk about the attitude of kids these days when it comes to driving. We we all of us were like, I can't wait to get the driver's. You knew the moment, the second you're like, oh, I can't wait. Kids nowadays. Did you find that your son was more like, eh, you know, whatever? Yeah, he he really didn't have any. He didn't care about it one way or the other because he'd been chauffeured literally. I've got an only child, and so wherever he needed to go, okay, you know, we just constantly would pick him up and take him. And so, not only do they did they not care about driving, he has no idea where the hell he is three quarters of the <laughs> right, time. Right. He's staring at his phone in the car. Though. That's exactly that's right. right. Yeah. So, like, right. if I could if I could impart any wisdom to anybody who's got a kiddo that's coming up that's getting ready to start driving, at least at, like, 15, they have to put their phones down and know where you are in the world because, right. you know, they're lost. I mean, if Siri tells them, 
turn left. Okay. I mean, that, whether yeah. you know, if it's right, it's Good right. Point. If it's wrong. I mean, they don't have any idea right. about their situational awareness, and they could wind up in some really bad spots right. because geographically it might be a little bit quicker. Yeah. So That's interesting because I'm getting ready to start training oh, yeah. gotcha. uh, and teaching my 15-year-old to drive. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he's excited about it, but me not so much. Yeah. So, uh, but he's the reason why I said he's staring at his phone because that's what he does when he's in the car. Yeah, and 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 you know they don't know where they are. Well, yeah. I mean, I learned so much. My dad would say, "Did you just see that guy? Did yeah. you just see him run that red light, or did you just see that? That was a near miss, or mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, yeah." And I do teach him because I drive him to school every morning, and you know, morning commutes are exciting, right? And you know, you see cars pulling in and out of traffic, cutting across three lanes, hitting that exit because. And they're slamming on their brakes and causing, you know, the next 10 cars to slam on their brakes behind them. I said, so that person did that, and it's creating a severe potential chain reaction there for an accident. And they're not even going to know because they're all the way up here. They could have caused a three-car accident. Yeah. So, But Mm. he's catching on. He's learning. I think he's he's very cognizant of those actions. So I think he'll be Mm -hmm. a good driver. He's just not – he doesn't have those uh, motor skills that you – that I would feel comfortable handing him the keys. But you'll never get there. Yeah, but you'll never feel comfortable handing right. him the keys. Like, you never. know, like, right. My right. son's at, in Bowling Green, and, and, you know, I've got Life 360 on his phone. Right. And Dude. so, right. you know, when he says, all right, I'm getting ready to head out, oh, yeah. I'm on the road with him for the two hours that, you know, sure. that he's driving yeah. back from Bowling Green. And it's yeah. like, you know, occasionally I'll call him, yeah. like, hey, you might want to slow down just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Well, he'll be a good driver. It's just, I think it's going to take him. He's just a little under the curve. I, I feel well, maybe sure maybe learned, I'm totally wrong. Make I sure just, he learns how to drive a manual, John. Well, uh, a millennial car theft uh, deterrent. <laughs> well, thanks, right, Jason, yeah. for offering up the yeah. Nissan. No, no, there we go. Or yeah. The yeah, there you uh, go. That's right. That needs a new clutch anyway. There you go. Well. <laughs> that is a big thing. Yeah, get that. Get those landmarks. Know where your marks are. So when you yeah. get up to those intersections, I got to go here. Turn left. I've got. I've visited my in-laws in Central Ohio, and some of them have been lived there for a while. And I've driven out with them. Like, do you remember how to get back there? He's like, no, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't drive. Pay attention to the landmarks, folks. Yeah, know where you're going. Know how to get back. For sure. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Keith, this has been such an informative discussion. Lots of fun. Thank we you, guys. Have, well, we've certainly learned a lot, and what a pleasure it was to have spoken with you this evening. And thanks for joining us and supporting the podcast, obviously. Thank you. And for our listeners of the podcast, like us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe so you are notified of new shows, and please review us. Uh, remember to check out our website, www.theclassiccarcorner.com website. If you or someone uh, you know would like to join in for our podcast, please reach out to us. We're always delighted to uh, talk with fellow enthusiasts. Thank you for listening, and happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.